All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Um, and yeah, welcome to church. My name is Pastor John. I'm not used to having to like introduce myself when I come up here. My name is Pastor John. I'm the teaching pastor here. Uh, welcome. Welcome to church this morning. And happy Mother's Day. Today is a great day to honor your mom and to honor the moms in your, our lives. So be sure to do that today. In honor of Mother's Day, we have some pictures that we're going to be uh, available out in the lobby after service. So if you want to take some pictures with the folks that you're here with, please feel free to do so. And those are, those are free. We'll post them online later, and you can get those pictures later. We might, we might charge you. So we're, we're, it's going to be one of those things where we're going to put like a life bridge icon on top of it so that you can't, if you want the r picture, you got to pay for it, all right? $8 a picture, and it goes to, and we're a charity, so we can say it goes to charity, right? So, all right, <laughs> I'm done. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Okay, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, we're, we're really glad that you're, you're t taking time out of your day to come and to be with us and to worship together. So if you haven't yet, check out my LifeBridge. My LifeBridge, you can get all upcoming events. This is kind of like if, if you consider LifeBridge your home church, or if you just want to know what's happening here at LifeBridge, my LifeBridge is the place to go to find all of this stuff. So check out my LifeBridge if you haven't already, and save that as an icon on your phone or whatever you use. Giving thanks for all of you who give to support our mission here in Burlington. You can give online uh, through our website. You can also give through Venmo, or you can give in the giving boxes at the front and the back of the hallway. Any of those are great. Um, giving is uh, something that we, as a church, hold dear, and we try to give more than 10% every year out of what comes in to the church through your giving and through your generosity. So we want to model generosity. So we give to local organizations, local charities that are doing really good work here in town. You can see all of those on the board out there in the lobby. And we also give to global missions. So uh, we want to model that as a church organization and as a community for you to give generously as well. So thank you for your giving. Throughout this whole campaign, we have prayer available on Wednesdays, so we're praying here as a community, Wednesdays, 6 to 8 a.m. and 6 to 8 p.m. So this week is the start of our conference week, and you, uh, so Wednesday night we will have, instead of just prayer, we're doing a prayer, or this week we have worship well, and then the following week we have uh, prayer and worship night together. So Wednesday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., for the next two weeks we'll have something going on here, worship well, and then a worship night. You can also come and pray with me at 6 to 8 a.m. if you're an early morning person. I am not. So I'm praying, but I'm very sleepy as well. So reminder, we have a new service times. Uh, so starting May 23rd, just we're going to one service at 10 a.m. Um, and it's going to be a family service. So for those three services, they're going to be family services, the three following this one, okay? So one service, 10 a.m., kids will be in here. It's going to be great. May 23rd, not next week. If you show up at 10 a.m. next week, we'll be here, but service will be going on. So May 23rd. All right, the reason I'm up here is to talk about our Pray Like Jesus campaign. So we're this next week is our conference week. So starting tomorrow is the beginning of our conference week. And for the next two weeks, we're going to have a lot of content. Remember, it's going to ramp up for the conference weeks, and then we calm down for the calm weeks. Um, 
So for our Pray Like Jesus conference, Tuesday, May 9th, I'm doing a digital interview on YouTube, which you can find on our our YouTube page with Jason Pfeffer. Uh, We're going to be talking about experiencing God through the disciplines. Okay, so Jason is the pastor of the Practice Church in Barrington, Illinois, and it's a new church plant, and he's going to be talking to us about the practices and experiencing God through the practices or the disciplines. As I've already said, Wednesday, May 10th, we have Worship Well here, and we're going to be talking about solitude together, so it's going to be great. Um, Thursday, May 11th, we're talking about spirituality in Nicaragua uh, with Renee and Migdalia Amador. I've already recorded this interview. We're going to release it next Thursday. They work with Youth with a Mission in Nicaragua and had a good conversation with them about their concept of spirituality there, um, which is really cool. So May 17th through the 21st in the following week, I'm going to just put out a daily prayer guide with with the devotional. Okay, so the idea is... uh, Usually we do a course that week, and since this campaign is on prayer, I don't know that we need another course and more kind of teaching on prayer. We kind of just need to practice prayer. We need to pray. So throughout that week, I'm just going to encourage you to pray and kind of lead you and guide you in how you can pray. So again, thanks for being with us. Uh, we, we gather here uh, to collectively worship God and pray together. We should be doing all of this on our own, as this campaign says, but when we come together, we should worship together and pray together. So uh, on that note, our guest speaker is Chuck Beckler. So you guys are likely familiar with Chuck if you've been here for a while. Chuck speaks here often, and Chuck is going to be talking about his what he, he started last time he was here, which was a long time ago, and I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you guys all remember on <laughs> private worship. So... Uh, would you guys welcome Chuck? He's going to be talking about would private you, worship yeah, and prayer. Okay, thank you. Would you do me a favor? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll knock your stuff everywhere, man. If you can, you should, if you can you do this? that. I'm good. Do you want the clicker? Uh, I'm, no, I'm okay. good. Oh. I love that. I'm good. This? I'm good. All I don't right. know what to do with all that stuff, you know? You got my phone? Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to get in trouble. I am going to take this and move this off so I don't ruin everything here. Clicker can go. That can go. It is great to be with you guys. It's good to see faces. You're a life bridge. So it was. I think it was last uh, last November. I think so. I spoke on. I think I spoke on the art of private worship. I think it was last November. And then in February, I spoke on that mysterious gift prayer. Your pastors said to me, "Hey, could you put the two of those together and do a sermon?" I said, "Sure." How much time do I have? They said, "A few minutes." So that's subjective. We could stay here for a long time. If you're up for that. Although we have things to do today, we won't do that. So, so what we're going to do is this. We're going to talk about the art of private worship, which is we talked about that, and then that mysterious gift prayer, and we're going to try to put those two together. So the art of private worship, say that back to me. And the mysterious gift prayer. Yeah, so we're going to, I mean, that art of private worship has got to be bathed with prayer. So that is the, that's really the essential key ingredient to all of that. Prayer is in your art of private worship, if you remember some of that, uh, besides the Word of God, and the Word of God is the most important. Without that, you have nothing. So you can take in your devotions a quiet time, which I don't like those terms. You can take books with you. You can use books by that author or this author or that author or this author. But the best book to take, the only book I, I think 
for your private worship. The art of that is the Word of God. Because it is theonustos, as I've said before, it is the breath of God on paper, and you need nothing else to direct your thinking. To worship Him, or to direct your prayers, or to put both of those together. There are many good books. I love the Puritans. I love the old dead guys. I love some of the contemporary guys. Not many of them, but some of them who read the old dead guys. And so that's, uh, but this book that I learned about, our little grandson, he's, he's Charlie three, he's three years old. He was singing, when we were down there last week, he was singing the B-I-B-L-E. Three years old, he was rocking it. He was rocking, rapping it. He was rocking, rapping it, country music in it. Charlie Nash, that's a country, it's the right country name. So you know, you know that little song, Sunday School song, right? You know that? The B-I-B-L-E, come on. The B-I-B-L-E, come on. Yes, that's the book for me. Hi. On the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And the little kids shout out, Bible! They never stop. They just let it go. So the word of God is so important to us. We become careless with it and flippant. Charles Spurgeon said this, When all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, transported with the view I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. My worship becomes powerful. It becomes an art. And then there is prayer that weaves all the way through it. If there was ever an old dead guy who speaks about prayer consistently and powerfully, it's Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It's unbelievable. He said, I'd rather pray than preach. And he's considered one of the greatest preachers within the Christian church throughout all of Christian history, all of it. David, King David, one of my favorite old dead guys, <laughs> alive guys, right? In Psalm 27 says this, one thing, just one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. I'm going after it, he says, that, he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to gaze on him because when I do, it drives me to adoration and worship. And when I get caught up in adoration and worship, because I'm taking time to gaze, which is so hard to do these days in our world of distractions and discouragements, so hard, so much busyness, but when we take time, one thing, with that one thing, we gaze, we have private worship, and we pray all the way through that. The two go together. Hand in glove. They got to be there. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we step into this beautiful opportunity to give you adoration. Publicly, fill our minds with truth. Stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, guide my thinking. Let me speak truth and not compromise your word. And may it be good for all of our souls and for your glory alone. One thing, one thing that we would do, worship you all the days of our lives in absolute obedience, out of absolute love for you, having that art of private worship and public worship, that great privilege to do that which you give, bathed in prayer. Prosuke, adioliptos, never ceasing, always in prayer, always worshiping, always caught up in that one thing, in the gaze of your glory, dwelling in your presence, on our knees before your throne with passionate prayer. 
passionate worship. We ask that Christ in your name. Amen. So the two go together. There is an art. I define the art of private worship this way. It's the creative, obedient giving of adoration to God in an isolated location. It's private. It's isolated. You got to get rid of your phones. You got to get rid of people. You got to get rid of everything. You got to get rid of those thoughts that drive you crazy. We are scatterbrained people. We have a hard time focusing. I do. You do. I know you do. I mean, we're not a whole lot different. Some can focus better than others, but the art of private worship is to be creative using that creativity God's given us than to be obedient to the Word of God and give Him adoration passionately, and that adoration is expressed through our prayers in that private place. One thing, I want to do this. It will strengthen you. It will grow you. One old dead guy said this, that private worship, what it does, it transforms us into the image of Christ. If you expect your pastors to do that for you or this church to do that for you, you are really mistaken. They will not do that for you. If you expect some radio pastor to do that for you, if you expect your husband to do that for you or your wife to do that for you, it's not going to happen. But this private worship transforms us, metamorphoses it, it moves us, shapes us into the image of Christ, and that image is, now listen, here's the benefits. People go, well, what do I get out of it? That's our society today. What do I get? What do I get from doing this? What do I get if I come to church? Is John going to make me happy? Is the worship band going to make me feel good? Do I walk away and go, woo, Jesus? What does it do for me? Well, listen to this. The art of private worship. Here's what it does is it transforms you into the image of Christ. Number one, it gives you, okay, it gives you the mind of Christ. The image of Christ, you get the mind of Christ. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I mean, if you could say, whose mind do you want? I mean, some, some of us look at people and go, they're messed up. They're crazy. I don't want their mind. We look at each other occasionally and go, we don't want their mind. We look at people, I don't want their mind. You want the mind of Christ. And what kind of mind is that? It's a pure mind. I want that. I want that. My, my wife wants me to have that. It's a perceptive mind. I can think better and function better in a world that is in chaos when I have the mind of Christ. In the church today, we are so messed up with all that's gone on, we need the mind of Christ. We really do. One of my friends said to me, and I, I've told this to your pastor, John, several times, that um, we have not been exposed to COVID, but COVID has exposed us. And it's exposed our minds. So we want the mind of Christ. Pure minds, perceptive minds. i got to run through these peaceful minds. Prideless minds. Christ, prideless mind. It's not my way or the highway. I'm always right. It's horrible. That's the way we are. Prideless minds. It gives us a powerful mind. It gives us a purposeful mind. It gives us a passionate mind. I love alliteration. And listen to this, to be transformed into the image of Christ through your private worship, this creative, obedient giving of adoration to God, in that isolated location, it gives you a prayerful mind. Was not Christ the supreme example of someone who prays? I know you've been studying that, I know you've been working through prayer. John and I meet almost weekly, and he, I say, what are you teaching on? You've been looking at Christ's life. 
and his communion with his father. That isolation is slipping away. His guy's going, where the heck is he? He's out there. He's in private, communing with his Papa God, his father. The mystery of all of that is a little mind-blowing. He's in prayer, and he prays for us. And so there's this combination of private worship. What does it do? What's the benefit? It's the one thing that does this creative work in our lives of giving us the mind of Christ. So it's worth it. It's it's worth it to work at this. It's hard to do. So how do you do that? Now, because it's private, (laughs) I can't say what I like to say this morning. I may get myself in trouble. John already warned me, don't talk about moms, Chuck. I said, I I won't. I won't. Um, although, uh, Although I will give you one thought about my mother. One thing she... I remember so strongly about her. I mean, many, many things. She taught me to pray. Even though I didn't want to learn how to pray, she taught me to pray. She modeled that for me. She was a, she was a woman of prayer. And so as you, uh, I step into this and think through, well, what are the, what are the steps to private worship that, in, that incorporate this creative, obedient giving of adoration to God? And adoration is an expression which comes through that practice of prayer. So the two, again, have to go together. Here, listen, I'm in my private worship. What do I do there? Well, I'm going to give you four steps. And all of those steps are going to be expressed in one way, and prayer is going to be a part of that. Got it? So it's like, what do I do? Do What do I do, just sit there? Well, maybe. Sometimes it's good just to sit there. Sometimes. To listen to the voice of God through the word of God as long as you don't end up with something going around and around in your head that you think is the voice of God which creates a mess in your life and the lives of others. That's bad. That's no good. So in 1 John, in 1 John chapter 1, John, the great apostle, or the beloved apostle, who always says, hey, God loved me, Jesus loved me more than all the other boys. Something about that name John. I'm sure occasionally John says, hey, Savannah, he loves me more than you. Better not. You're in trouble, buddy. (laughs) She will whoop you down on the basketball court. (laughs) Right? But we all do that. Oh, man. You know, John's like, I'm the beloved. I'm the beloved. I'm the beloved. So John writes this, and he writes it to Christians to refute two doctrines. One is about antinomianism, all right? We're not going to get into these, but you have to understand why I'm doing this because it's, because it's the right thing to do biblically here. So he writes this, 1 John 1, he writes this little letter to them because they thought, I'm under grace, I'm, I'm under grace, I don't have to live obediently. Well, that's a lie, that's called antinomianism, it's against the law. The other doctrine he was refuting to them was Gnosticism. Well, I mean, God could never take on a fleshly form. Flesh is evil. That's what the Greeks taught. So John's got to write to them and get their minds straightened out. So he's going to refute both of those doctrines. That's what he's doing. But in the midst of all of that, as I study that throughout the years, something has screamed out to me that makes me go, ooh, this should be a part of our private worship. So the proper context is to deal with, because John deals with antinomianism and Gnosticism, right? But within that, there's this mystery that he 
you want to be hip today, and packs unfold spot on to whatever, 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 you know, whatever, whatever. If you want to roll your jeans and be spot on, you can do that too. He says, now let me read this to you, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. John writes, that which was from the beginning. And then he says this, he starts talking about the senses. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the logos, the word of Zoe, life, the real deal, God in the flesh. Oh, no, God would take on flesh. That's gross. John says, we touched God. We saw God. We breathed his breath. We saw his toes, the toes of God, man, right? The God, man. We ate with him, slept side by side at a campfire. We fished with him. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. We gazed at him. And it made our hearts leap with mystery, mysterious joy in humble, prayerful adoration. So he's refuting the Gnostics about God in the flesh. He's going to go on later and refute the others who don't say, i got to live in obedience to God because I'm under grace, so therefore I can be abusive. Well, Paul said you can't do that either in Romans chapter 6. But here he says, wow. We heard, we saw, we looked or gazed, vlepo in the Greek, and we touched God with our hands Concerning God in the flesh, the real life, the real deal, it was manifest, he was manifest, blown into our faces. We've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with or one with the Father. So look at this. Look what he does. He makes a transition right into the Trinity. We saw God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit minister to us. You get that? That's incredible. I mean, this guy's a theologian. He should be teaching somewhere, right? He goes on and says this, that which we have seen, he repeats, which is a great way to learn and heard, we proclaim also to you, other Christians, so that you too may have koinonia fellowship with us, right? And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, they already have the Holy Spirit, so we're talking about Father, Son, and Spirit, the Godhead. And we're writing these things to you so that our, our, include everybody, our joy, all Christians, our joy may be complete. We, here's what he's saying, okay, paraphrasically, we want you to experience Christ the way we did, or the Godhead the way we did. It was mysterious, it was in a sense magical, as C.S. Lewis would said. It blew our minds, and it drove us to public and private worship, and great prayers all through it, because we saw him pray. We heard him pray. So you're out there in your private worship. You got to have the Word of God. And the Word of God is going to scream into your heads love and mystery and holiness and glory and majesty and miracles. And it's going to drive you to pray. So it's got to be bathed in prayer. So, what kind of prayers should you pray? Something like this, maybe. Prayers of penitence. I think that's a great way for every Christian to start, which is repentance, confession of sin. 
prayers of praise, prayers of petition. Do you notice? It goes penitence, praise, oh, then petition. Sounds like the Lord's Prayer, which you've also studied. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're holy, I'm sinful, hallowed are you, that's just who you are, I am sinful, I come before your throne in humble adoration, I want your will in my life, that's the most important thing, now let's talk about what I need, but we always tend to go to what I need, so prayers of penitence, praise, petition, proclamation, if you read through the Psalms, David is always proclaiming, oh God, this is who you are, they're all prayers. And prayers of please, please, not like P-L-E-A-S-C, just please. Pleading prayers, that word, if you study it, I mean, David was a man who had the one thing, art of private worship, creative obedient adoration to God, right, giving of adoration, but he prayed all through that, and a part of that was proclamation, and another part of that was please. He was pleading with God, oh God, oh God, oh God. He pleaded passionately. One of the old dead guys said, if we would pray a little more passionately, maybe our prayers would plow through the ceiling. But our prayers are cold. Our prayers are heartless. Our prayers are religious. It's out of duty and obligation. Maybe our worship, public or private, the same way. So, what what did what did they do? Okay, he, I okay. Now we talked about what John's writing about in refut, refutation. All right, we got that. But then there is this appealing to the senses, which he's going after the Gnostics. But practically, listen. Here's what it says to me: When I go into my private worship, the creative, obedient giving of adoration to God. All right. I need to hear, hear what they have heard. That only comes through the word of God. You get it? I need to see what they saw. Boom! Or that may shake you up a little bit. That wake you up a little bit? I need to gaze or look at what they gazed at. Gaze at what they gazed at. We gaze at cars, we gaze at furniture, we gaze at stuff that's going to burn up someday. I get it. We need to gaze at God in the flesh. The God of the Old Testament, which is the same God in the New Testament. We need to gaze at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through the Word of God and let it move us to prayers of adoration, prayers that are penitent. You, you gaze at God the way Moses and the Israelites gazed at God. If you gaze and meditate on that, it will drive you to holy confession. You gaze at God the way he washed the feet of the disciples, it will drive you to a holy love. He loves me that way, that he would wash my sins away, that the royal blood of heaven would be shed for me. All we need to ask the Holy Spirit, stir our hearts to be worshipers. Make it that one thing in our lives. We need to break out of religion. Even religious academia. We need to touch what they've touched. 
How do you, how do you touch God? How do you, how do you touch God? Well, for some, you get a lava lamp. You get some psychedelic music. You go to the health store and you get some of that CBYD stuff or whatever it is. And you rub it on your feet and your forehead and stick it up your nostrils. You'll see something. It's not how you do it. It just amazes me that here, here it is. Look at this. Look at this. The VIPLE. We've got God here in the flesh in a sense. The breath of God on paper. Father, Son, and Spirit. So what do you do in your private worship? I'm out there. I'm in the woods. I got my private place. Nobody's around. No distractions. My phone's gone. I buried it so the squirrels take it to their little nests. Just me and God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Through the Word of God, I want to hear what they've heard, see what they saw, gaze at what they've gazed at, touch what they've touched. I will give adoration through prayers of penitence, prayers of praise, prayers of petition, proclamation, prayers of please, passionate prayers. We need that in our lives. What does it do? It makes us more like Jesus. Mm. I want best I can before the Lord takes me. From this place, I just want to be more like Jesus. I'm a mess. I am so fleshly and gross at times, I'm a mess. I just want to be more like Christ. I want the world to see that. And, and that's what they need to see in our lives. So John says, hear what the, we heard him. And what, here's what it means in the Greek. They heard the words of Christ, and, and they were like loud bells in the Greek, that metaphor that rang in their ears. You, you ever seen the old kids' movie, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame? Anybody? Right? And the old, old one with Charles Lawton, he climbs the tower, and he's up in the bells. And why is he like, why is he like that? Because the bells have been ringing so loud, all he hears are bells. He's become deaf to everything else, but what he hears is the bells. That's, that's the words there in the Greek. John says, we heard him, God in the flesh. Thought we heard all, we heard the Godhead. In our ears, now he's an old man writing this, he's in his 90s. My ears are still ringing loud with the voice of God in my head, which directs my life in humble adoration, creative adoration, prayers of penitence, prayers of praise and petition. Those words of Jesus... I am the resurrection and the life, a ringing. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. They're ringing. I've got a place I'm preparing for you. They're ringing. My peace is with you. I will send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. They're ringing. I believe John worshiped every moment of his life. But in private, what great times of mystery, you can, you, can, you can hear the words and you can dance and you can sing and you can, you, can do, you can do somersaults and you can lift your hands and you can kneel and you can shout and nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna care. Your Papa God goes, oh, my child is worshiping me. And they'll never laugh. We don't have to be so proper in that sense with God. Doesn't mean we're flippant. You see, the Israelites heard too. They said they saw, they heard and they saw. In Exodus 20, they heard and they saw. And they said, Moses, you speak with us. Don't, don't let God speak with us. We see the fire. We hear the trumpets. 
We see the thunder of the lightning. We hear the voice of God. Don't let him speak with us. And yet there was holiness and love in all of that. When I was in high school, I wanted to take Linda to the prom. I didn't have a car. I had a wagon and a bike. Bummer. It's prom time right now. It's prom time. So my dad had just bought a brand new Chevrolet. Brand new. First brand new car he ever had. I wanted it. I wanted to pick her up in a brand new Chevy, put her in the front seat, you know. Here, here comes the man. Yo. Here comes the man with the new car, right? So I had a plan to talk to my dad, right, to get, to get the car from him. And I'm, th I'm thinking I'm never going to get this. Ever. Ever. So I, I had this all, all planned out. I was going to catch him on Saturday morning, catch him in his bedroom right before he comes out, and then just, you know, plead. You know, prayers of pleading. Oh, Dad, oh, please, I, I got to take her. I can't put her on a bike. It'll rip her dress off if he gets caught in the spokes. For some guys, they'd go, hey, it's not a bad deal, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, so, so my dad meets me. He goes, he goes, what do you want? I said, I got to talk to you. I, 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 and I'm just mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. He goes, I know what you want. I said, how do you know? He goes, I'm your father. We always know. <laughs> Parents always know. He says, you want my car. You want to go to the prom with Linda in the car? And I thought he was just going to go, no. And I was just like, boom, that's it. And he said, you can have it. Oh! I was like, I'm going to put her in the car, get a corsage, put her in the car. She sits next to me. I can smell that golden autumn she used to wear. Oh! Huh? Yeah. Memories like the corners of... Oh, yeah. He said, but I want you to hear this. I said, what? It started ringing in my ears. Here, here huh? My father was speaking words to me that were powerful. He said, if there is one scratch when you bring that car back. Now, parents talk in hyperbole. Right? They make overstatements. He said, I'll kill you. <laughs> huh? You think that rang in my ears? Ding dong, ding dong, kill you, kill you. And then he said, if there... Are any strange odors in that car? You know, it was a time of we weren't just spying it. People were smoking it, right? Any strange odors in that car? I will kill you. Ding, dong, ding, dong. Kill, kill, kill. I will kill you. If there is one dent in that car, I will kill you. And he said it with eyes of fire. And I thought, he will. He was a paratrooper in World War II. He's going to kill me. He's going to go back in his old bazooka, brawny automatic. My dad got a bronze star. He's going to kill me dead. I'm dead. And so I go to pick her up. What do you think I'm hearing in my ears the whole way over there? I, I, I want to go over and go, hey, baby. Hey, baby, look at me. All I heard was, I will kill you. I will kill you. I will kill you. I'm not sure I didn't even say that when she opened the door. I will kill you. So we went. We had fun. But the whole time I was just stressed. Why? Because the words were ringing, powerful words, from my father. We're driving home, she's combing her hair. She lays her comb on the dashboard. I turned, you know, turned or something, and it went down. You know, the little groove, the defrost thing? It went down in there, and I went, oh! I was just like, it's, yeah. And I looked at her, I said, get, get it out. I stopped it, I said, get it out of there. She goes, I can't get it. I said, get it out of there! 
or I'm dead, I'll never see you again. Get it out. She goes, your father's never going to know. Why are you whining? I said, yeah, and I turned it. She goes, turn the frost on. Well, I turned it on. It was like, it was crazy. I said, get it out. Somehow we got it out. My dad never knew. It was probably, hear what they've heard. It was probably, hear what they've heard. It was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years before my dad went to heaven. I knew at that point I could take him. <laughs> my dad was a pastor. We had a great relationship. But you know, we always, our flesh is always a struggle, right? And I remember telling my dad that story. He goes, why didn't you tell me back then? I said, because I was scared to death. And I know now if you, if you go to get me, I'll just grab you and squeeze you. But those words, you get it? You go out there, you're alone, you and the squirrels, the chipmunks. You got your Bible. You're in, you're in Exodus. You're in Leviticus. You go, what am I going to hear in Leviticus? Oh, you'll hear all kinds of things. You're in John. Matthew, you hear what they've heard. And those words begin to ring and they have impact in your life. And then you give prayers of penitence, right? Oh, God, I'm sinful. You get prayers of praise. Oh, God, you're incredible. You're awesome, majestic. You sing, great is the Lord, worthy to be praised. Prayers of petition, oh, God, I need. Prayers of proclamation, oh, God, you are. And make yourself known in this world. Prayers of just please, oh, God, have mercy on this nation. God, this is who you are, but passionate prayers. You may fall into the dirt and the squirrels may come and cover your body, you know. We need to do this. I don't have time to finish all this. Maybe some other time. Your pastors will let me come back if they don't think I'm too much of a mess. And we can finish, see what they saw. But you need to do that. See what they saw. Remember, I was speaking at a camp in Michigan. And I got through speaking. I was walking back to my cabin. It was a really stormy night. And, and, and it was just, the lake was right there and the waves and everything was crazy. And all of a sudden, it just like stopped. And the, you know, the clouds parted. And the moonbeam shot across the water. And I thought, that's Jesus coming for me. Whoa. And I thought of the boys in the boat in Matthew 14 and in Mark. They saw him on the water. See, you need, you need to be there. You need to be there with Joshua and see what he saw. See the walls. Hear the voice. And let it drive you to prayers of adoration. You need to gaze. William Blake, the great poet. William Blake said this. He was down at the, the wharf in England, and he saw an old fisherman there, and the sun was setting. He said it was beautiful, and he said to the old fisherman, well, would you be telling me now, what, what would you be seeing in that sunset? He said that to the old fisherman guy, and the old guy said, well, what I'd be seeing is a gold medallion. Sounds like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'd be seeing a gold medallion is what I'd be seeing. And the fisherman guy said to Blake, what do you see, sir? And Blake said, what I see, what I'm gazing at, 
I see the glory of God. Do you get it? And it drives me to penitence, prayers, praises. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Let all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys. Transported with the view I'm lost. In wonder, love, and praise. Father, help us. May we worship you with all of our hearts in public and in private. May we be creative in this art of private worship through your word and may it drive us to prayers of adoration, prayers of penitent, penitent adoration, prayers of praises and adoration, prayers of petition and adoration, prayers of proclamation and adoration, pleading prayers that are passionate, but all of adoration for your glory and your glory. Amen.